Welcome back to Takes by the Lake from Cleveland.com. I'm your host, Doug Maurice. We have a great guest today, first-time guest on Takes by the Lake, Steven Ruiz. Great film guy at For the Win in the USA Today Network. Really good, really good. Uh, really glad to get him on. He's a national guy that has a lot uh, a lot of work and a lot of people uh, following his work. So you're going to enjoy what we talked about. Uh, a lot of Baker Mayfield, some Freddie Kitchens, putting the Browns in context. Uh, and I want to get to him right away, and I'll come back with my rants at the end because I, I don't – I'm in a different place with this team than a lot of people are, and I think there's just some weird talk this week that I either want to know what the heck they're talking about um, or I'm just dismissing it because I think there are some fairly simple things happening here that I think will get fixed, and I think this still can be – and we're mostly talking offense here. Their defense has to play better. Their defense gave up drives that they couldn't give up at the most inopportune times against Seattle. But when I rewatched that game, um, I thought the offense looked good. I mean, they barely punted. They moved the ball all day, and they just had crazy, crazy stuff, almost inexplicable, that went against them. And they are just getting bitten. Every little mistake they make kills them. And there's one guy on this team that I just think is killing them. Um, and and I'm, I want to get into that. Um, but I want to get to Steven Ruiz first. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Lemarice, L-E-S-M-E-R-I-S-E-S. Uh, read my stuff, cleveland.com. Try our texting. Try our texting. Try our texting. It's me on Ohio State. You get a 14-day free trial, then you get texts about your favorite team in your phone a couple times a day. So if you want Ohio State stuff from me, go to cleveland.com slash OSU to find out more. If you want Brown stuff from Mary Kay Cabot, go to cleveland.com slash Browns. And the Browns, you get an insider newsletter. I contribute to that too. Every day you get a little piece of content, a little bonus, a little extra that nobody else gets. Four bucks a month, good insight on the Browns. And they're still interesting. Let's get to Steven Ruiz from For the Win, and then we'll come back with more of me here on Takes by the Lake. Welcoming a first-time guest to Takes by the Lake. Uh, I called him, and he was gracious enough to accept an invite. And I called him because everybody loves this guy. I love NFL Twitter, and Steven Ruiz is one of uh, the favorite follows out there. Steven, thank you for your time today. This is the first I'm hearing that everybody loves me, but I'll take it. No, man, I'm telling you, man, for the win and, and the film breakdowns you do around of, of the teams around the league, you, you are beloved, my friend. Believe it. Take that with you for the rest of this day. Um, we want to talk Browns, but I want to I, I would like you to help us sort of put the Browns in context as well. But I want to start with an article you wrote after week three uh, about Baker Mayfield. And it was about the idea that, that Baker Mayfield was broken, but there was an easy fix to it. I know you're watching everybody in the league. Um, but but do you feel that six weeks in, has Baker Mayfield been fixed at all? Uh, or do you feel like he is still mostly broken and that this offense is still not functioning, uh, functioning as it should in Cleveland? Okay, I want to make it clear that this is like relatively speaking, like Baker Mayfield is still, like even a bad Baker Mayfield is still a decent NFL quarterback. But, yeah, I think we're still seeing the same problems with him holding the ball a little too long, patting the ball, not sure what he's seeing, not confident in what he's seeing, and I think he still is broken. The thing I suggested was more no huddle, and we yeah. haven't really seen that from the Browns at all. Why not, do you think? And, again, that's an important point for, for all the Browns fans listening to this. That's why we have guys like Steven on. It's not that Baker Mayfield is terrible. It's not that, it's that he's not playing as well as he did a year ago. It does seem like up-tempo 
would be a reasonable fix to this. Uh, obviously, they haven't done it much. Why do you think the Browns wouldn't do that? What would be the negative of, of going up tempo? Is it maybe something about their defense that they don't trust, that they don't want to risk getting them back on the field quickly? Or why do you think they're not doing that? It could be that. It could be Freddie Kick. Kitchen's just wanting more control over the offense. I feel like you lose a bit of control as a coach when you do put it in the hands of your quarterback to, you know, lead a team down the field when you're not huddling. They did run a little bit of it in the second quarter on the on the drive that ended with the Baker Mayfield interception in the end zone. They drove right down the field and like yep. those three plays were without a huddle and then the, the interception happens. That interception actually happened on a play where they huddled before it, ironically. And then I I don't know if I saw it again for the rest of the game. I, I really don't know what it is because Baker Mayfield has obviously has experience in this playing at Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. And then Todd Munkin obviously came from an air raid system when he was in college coaching Southern Miss. So these they have the tools to run this system. I just don't know why they're not doing it. Maybe it's Kitchens just saying, I want control over this offense. I am – I am not a film guy, Stephen, like like you and, and so many people are out there who do a great job of, of breaking down games. But I when I rewatched uh, the Browns lost to Seattle, I, I thought they did a lot of pretty good things on offense. And it's hard for me sometimes to wrap my head around the fact that, you know, they scored three touchdowns on their first three drives and they moved the ball all day. They barely punted all day. And yet they have these killer mistakes. But when I see their upside and when it's clicking, it just feels like it it really clicks to me that, that when when they're hitting guys in stride in the pass game and handing off to Chubb and he's popping things, it feels like this offense still has a pretty high top end. Do you think that do you think they ever will get it together? And what do you think it would be like if this offense really maxes out? Right, I agree with you. That's why I'm not willing to give up on the Browns as a shit. There's mm-hmm. been two and four, they're probably gonna lose uh next the next game but the schedule eases up after that and yeah like you said they're just like a, a hair off like Baker Mayfield keeps throwing the ball slightly behind his receivers and then they get a bad bounce and an interception and like all the momentum they have built up just dies out but they're not far away like when you watch them on film they're they're getting open opportunities downfield they're just either either Baker Mayfield missing the throw or the Browns receivers aren't catching them and we know the running game has been productive when Nick Chubb has the ball in his hand. I think the defense has actually played pretty well. So they're not far off. They start, you know, hitting receivers in stride, like you said, and they start catching the ball, and you don't see these tipped interceptions anymore. I think this is a much better team than they've shown. And they're still 2-4. and four. They're not, like, out of this race. And like I said, the schedule is easy. I think we do see a different Browns team in the second half because we know Baker Mayfield has it in a play like a top-10 NFL quarterback. We saw it in the second half of last year. When he is throwing a little bit behind these guys, I know there's there's the issue of the interceptions, and he has had bad luck with the interceptions, but there's also just sort of the general idea of his ball placement. Um, is do you, When you compare him, when you're watching the rest of the league, are, are other quarterbacks just more accurate with their ball placement in that, yeah, maybe Baker's throwing catchable balls, but if he threw a pass, you know, six inches one way or the other, he would greatly increase his guy's chances of of catching those passes. Like, how would you explain his general ball placement in context of the league? Well, this year it's been pretty bad, like bottom of the league. But last year it was actually really good. Like, I would say it was in the top ten. He was fitting the ball in the tight windows and putting it, where only his receiver can get it. Now he's kind of challenging his receivers to make awkward adjustments. 
I, I'd say he's probably in the bottom of half of the league in accuracy right now. Like he's like generally he's been accurate. Like he gets the ball to his receivers. The problem is they have to, you know, make an effort to make the catch. And sometimes, I mean, you can't expect them to make every difficult catch like that. So I do think he has it in him to be like a precise quarterback. Cause we've seen that we've seen it for almost an entire year last year. I, I don't know what it is. I think he's just not comfortable and he's, the ball is getting out a little late and that's why it's behind the receiver as opposed to in front of the receiver. So I don't think it's really an accuracy problem. I think it's a mental thing. It's a just being confident in what he's seeing, thing, reading the defense. I felt like the first several weeks he wasn't throwing with a lot of anticipation. It felt like he was waiting for plays to fully develop and guys to come out of their breaks and look at him, and then he was throwing, and a lot of times that would put him, end up maybe putting the ball behind guys. I thought he actually threw with a little more anticipation on Sunday. I actually felt they had some drops because it felt like guys were so not used to him with throwing with anticipation. There was a throw right before the end of the half when they were in that like 30-second drive, and they were trying to get a, a, a shot at a field goal. And he hit Ricky Seals-Jones like in the face with the pass because I think Ricky Seals-Jones turned around and the ball was on him. And I felt like he wasn't ready for it. I don't – again, I know you're watching everybody in the league. I thought I saw some progress in Baker trying to get rid of it a half second earlier. But in general, whether you think that's true or not, like how important is throwing with the anticipation and not waiting for your guys to completely come out of their breaks and, and face you? How much is how much is that part of a of an offense that's in sync when you're able to throw with, with anticipation? Right. That's really important. And there are issues with throwing the ball too early and throwing it too late. Like those are both issues. It's important to be on time. That's why these guys rep this so many times that's why they stay after practice to to work on routes and work on timing of routes timing has been the issue with baker like that there's no way around it i don't think his decision decision making has been that poor i don't think like i said his accuracy has been off but it hasn't been like bad it hasn't been like jamarcus russell bad it's just a timing issue and that comes that might i mean i'm maybe i'm writing it off too much right now because that is very important in quarterback play like seeing reading the defense in time making your drop and then getting the ball out to the right receiver. That's, that's quarterback play in the NFL. And he's just not doing it at a high level. But the good news is he did it at a high level last year. So whatever you got to do to get him comfortable, to get him back into that, that space he was last year, then you got to do it. Maybe it's no huddle. I don't know. I'm not an NFL coach. I don't know if that's going to help, but it seems to help young quarterbacks. That's why they do it in college so much. That's why young quarterbacks do it in the NFL so much I think they just need to just clear up the picture for them and going fast does that because the defense can't line up quickly they can't like disguise their coverage they can't roll into different coverages after the snap they're just trying to get lined up and they're playing simple defenses I know sometimes um, there's been a great debate around the Browns about how mm -hmm. much how much their offensive line has been part of the problem. And sometimes you can look at offensive line grades and they grade out pretty well. And I know there are stats that he has a good amount of time to throw the ball. I do feel like Chris Hubbard, their right tackle makes three or four disastrous plays a game where he, he whiffs on blocks or he has a terrible penalty that kills a drive. 
he got bulldozed into the backfield on the pass to Landry in the end zone that it felt like it maybe prevented Baker from taking a full step up in the pocket. And maybe that's why that ball was a little bit behind Jarvis Landry. I, I think Chris Hubbard has killed them at inopportune times. But in general, Stephen, how often can you tell you feel like in the league, maybe when quarterbacks don't trust their line? And I know maybe a guy does his job eight times out of 10, but if the two other times He's maybe getting the quarterback killed. I, I feel like sometimes it looks to me like Baker doesn't trust his line. Is that an issue for quarterbacks sometimes? I think it can be, but I think it takes more time to develop. Like Baker Mayfield was, I, I feel like he was skittish in the pocket from week one, like before he even had a chance to really play behind this line. And he was getting good protection at the end of last year, so it wasn't like a rollover effect. And this was really an issue going back to Oklahoma where he had a great line, actually. Like, when there was any type of pressure, he would drop his eyes and start to panic a little bit, which is why I wasn't so high on him. I thought he was a first-round quarterback, but I, was, I didn't think he was the best quarterback in that draft. And then in his rookie year, like, you don't see any of that on tape. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm just an idiot. Maybe I was seeing things. This guy's a different quarterback. And then in year two, he goes right back to what he was doing at Oklahoma. So – I, I really don't have any explanation for it, but I don't think that is the explanation. I don't think it's that he's, you know, seen ghosts behind this line that is so bad. The line hasn't been great, but I don't think it's been the problem that people have made it out to be. It's just more it's sort of in him and he has to fight that urge to not get happy feet and escape clean pockets. And for some reason, he's not fighting it hard enough right now. Right. And we saw him do it last year. So we know he has it in him. Right. Getting back to that. All right. So, Stephen, in the context of this, if, if you had to pick right now, who do you think is going to win the AFC North, the way it shapes up right now? Obviously, Baltimore has a two-game lead, but Baltimore also has some tough games ahead. Who would you? Who do you think is going to wind up winning that division? I think it becomes like a one- or two-game race, and I, I'm going to stick with the Ravens just because I like what their offense is doing now. Right now, their offense is more cohesive. Like You see what the philosophy is behind their offense, and I think Lamar has really taken strides in the spots where we've seen Baker take a step back. And the Ravens' defense hasn't been very good so far this year. We, you saw that in the Browns game. There was a bunch of coverage busts. I think eventually they have too many smart, good players to not get that figured out. I think they figure it out, and then they win a couple games at the end just to hold off the Browns. I still think the Browns make a run, maybe get a wild card spot, but I, right now you have to give the division to the Ravens. Do you think the Steelers have any chance to get back in this thing with their quarterback issues, or did they just play play a game that, you know, they got a win against the Chargers, but they're not really going to be able to put much together? Yeah, I don't think they're going to be a factor. Maybe they get to 7-9, and nine, but the quarterback situation is just a mess. They're having to play like a high school offense with these quarterbacks, and eventually you're going to get exposed doing that. Maybe in the first couple of weeks when you have Devlin Hodges out there, that teams don't have film on them. Teams don't know what kind of offense you're going to craft for them. But after a while, you're, these defenses are going to get tape on them. And there's a reason why offenses don't treat their quarterbacks like college quarterbacks, because those offenses are very easy to shut down. And we're going to see that happen the more they have to play these unheralded quarterbacks. The thing you mentioned with the Ravens about them sort of having a foundational plan on offense and, and, a lot of people have suggested the Browns aren't there yet. Do you think, I know in, in your Baker piece a couple of weeks ago, um, and you, you sort of said it here, that it doesn't sound like you think Freddie Kitchens is doing a terrible job 
calling games, but also I think a lot of people maybe question like what what actually is it that they're trying to do and the way they sort of put this offensive plan together. What do you think of Freddie's Freddie's job as a play caller through six weeks? As a like an overall play caller, I, I do think he's done a good job. I think he's given Baker and the offense opportunities to hit on big plays downfield, and I like what he's done with the run game where he's really use, using a lot of RPOs that get, helps to get Baker in a rhythm and it helps get numbers out of the box for Nick Chubb, which he's taken advantage of. But I do agree with his situa- situational play calling has been very questionable at times. Like I'm thinking about the fourth design draw. I'm thinking about the fourth down play where he just puts everyone in a condensed formation and runs right up the middle and gets stuck. But overall, I see what he's trying to do. I think he maybe had a higher opinion of Baker than maybe he should have. Like he sees him as this like type of Patrick Mahomes quarterback who can throw the ball downfield into tight windows. He did do that last year a bunch, but he doesn't have that kind of arm. So maybe he does need to dial it back and hold Baker's hand a little bit more, like like coaches are doing with young quarterbacks. Like we have to remember, Baker Mayfield is still very young. I know he's been in the sports world for a while now, going back to Oklahoma, but he's still a very young quarterback. And it's okay that the coach might have to pare down the offense for him and make things easier on him. That's fine. He's got 15 more years in this league to become a Tom Brady or Drew Brees type quarterback. How long do you think it takes to get a true read on a guy and whether whether he's really going to be like a franchise quarterback that can lead you to the playoffs every week? Obviously, you know, Tampa and Tennessee have sort of reached that point of maybe realizing they're not going to get that out of Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, but it took five years to get there. Um, here in Cleveland, people, it's, it's, it's a very, it's a difficult time because they're sort of in this winning window with the rookie quarterback contract. And it's sort of like, you got to win now. And everybody knows that. And they went out and made win now moves, but you're also trying to be patient with a first year head coach and a second year starting quarterback. But then there's also, I think uh, there are a few people who are starting to question, like, I don't know, does this mean Baker's not the guy? H- how long do we have to really get a look at Baker Mayfield before we have any kind of certainty about mm-hmm. what kind of quarterback he's going to be long-term in the NFL? Uh, I think by the end of this year, you are you're you can't like say whether he's going to be good or bad, but you can say this mm-hmm. is what his floor looks like and this is what his ceiling looks like. I think you will have an idea of that. Like We'll know whether he's going to, ever develop into mm-hmm. one of these elite guys uh but it's going to take I, I don't think until probably year three we won't have a good idea until year three like he's had one good year if this continues he's going to have one bad year i think that next year is make or break because that's after that year is when you have to decide oh we're going to slap the fifth year option on him are we going to resign him? that's when you start to think about contract extension so that's when you have to figure out what, what you have in him Either you have something great and you can go forward or you have to reset at the quarterback position. I tend to think that it's going to be the former. I think Baker's going to figure things out. I don't know if he's ever going to be a top five quarterback in this league, but he definitely has the tools and like the mental approach to be a 10 to top 10 to 15, maybe into that top 10 range. And that's good enough to win a Super Bowl, as we've seen throughout the last decade. We've seen Joe Flacco win a Super Bowl with the right pieces around him. So I don't think it's I don't think it's ready to I'm ready to jump ship on Baker Mayfield. I might be ready to to jump ship on him being this generational quarterback. That's that's I think that's a a very fair piece of analysis. And and you said 
you know, everyone wants to know about ceiling and floor with the franchise quarterback. Do you think this is the floor? Like, is that what is that what we're seeing right now, that there may be a time when, like, we just look back and say, oh, man, remember those first eight or ten games of Baker's second year? Ugh, that was ugly. Like, is is does this look like the floor of a guy who's trying to figure it out? I do think it's the floor within the context of this offense, like with what he has around him, because he does have a very good receiving core. Like things could be worse. He could be playing. He could be Josh Rosen, Rosen right now playing in Miami yeah. with no offensive line and no receiving core. Like so, this is. I do think this is the worst he can play with the type of team he has around him. Yes, I do believe that. What do you think of Odell's contribution so far? I think he had he had two drops. Uh, on Sunday, I think he only had one drop in the first five games. Um, one of the drops, like they had a miscommunication on our route, not a miscommunication. Baker threw a little bit behind him, but it was on a third down that they should have connected on. And then they got the punt blocked on the very next play. And I felt like that was a big thing of like, man, that's a play where your top quarterback and top receiver should connect and get you a first down and keep this drive moving. But, um, have you seen anything from Odell that you are scratching your head about Odell or is he just trying to, He's having to find his way with a quarterback and a play caller who are still maybe not doing everything to, to get him the ball correctly. Yeah, I think Odell has been Odell. I think it's a timing issue, like, and that's to be expected when you have a receiver who's played his whole career with another quarterback, and now he's trying to get used to this this new quarterback. And I know Odell missed some time, and he was away from the team at certain points of the off season, which Freddie Kitchens kind of criticized him for. So. This is to be expected. They they haven't been playing together for a while, and I do think that drop that you mentioned was like a timing issue. Like the ball kind of got on Odell a little quickly, maybe quicker than he was expecting. He still should have caught the pass, obviously, but these aren't like stone-cold drops like, oh, you have to catch that. These are like, oh, this is a timing issue. Odell doesn't have any problem with his hands, as we've seen throughout his career. Like he's going to make those catches more often than not. I think they're just coming up in a flurry and maybe we're overreacting to it. I think he'll be fine catching the football going forward. And I'll, I'll let you go with this one, Stephen. Sometimes people talk about a catchable ball. Um, I do. Th- it feels to me like maybe that's part of the issue with Baker, that he's he's putting the ball in an okay spot. Um, but I, sometimes I feel like he has a little too much heat on it and he's he's mm-hmm. he's not. He's not throwing a catchable ball. Is that a real thing, um, or is that just something that people like to talk about and it's not, I don't know, you just got to get the ball there, or do you feel like maybe he's he's making it tougher on his guys than he should? I do think it's a real thing. I I don't think it's going to be a, a issue for Baker going forward. I, I do agree with you that he is kind of firing the ball in there. Maybe he's overcompensating for Whatever arm strength limitations he has, I don't. He has a good arm, but he doesn't have, like I said, he doesn't have a Patrick Holmes arm. And maybe he's trying to fit these passes into these tight windows, and he's overcompensating, and it's bleeding over to other throws where he doesn't need to fire the ball in there. But I do agree with you. The ball has been getting on receivers a little too quickly, and it, it, that's no excuse for them dropping the pass. But it does make their job more difficult. Stephen Ruiz, what's the best way for people to uh, find you and follow your work? Uh, you can find my work on FTW at dot USA today dot com and you can find me on Twitter at the Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate your insight. We love your uh love your work at For the Win and uh hopefully we can have you back on Takes by the Lake sometime down the road. But uh for now enjoy the rest of the season, man. All right, thanks. Anytime.
All right, back to my rants uh, to end this thing. So I think Chris Hubbard is killing the Browns. And I know there is a discussion about the offensive line, and we all know it's not great. Um, So it's degrees of how bad it is. Um, I think Chris Hubbard has been awful. And there... The PFF grades and things like that are great, and they're—I mean—they're great. Period. They're great. They're super valuable. Um, but also, I—I f- I feel like Chris Hubbard's mistakes count double because it just feels like he will get um, penalties early in drives that set drives back and kill them. He will get penalties or miss blocks on third downs that that kill drives he I, he feels like a drive killer to me but also the numbers are bad to be clear so the pff numbers um when you look at the overall blocking grades for offensive linemen and then you look at run block blocking and pass blocking they'll they'll have like a million different guys and there's some guys who don't play very much so i just tried to look at the right tackles who are the primary right tackles any right tackle who'd played more than 200 snaps uh so far this season and according to the pff grades um chris hubbard is 19th in pass blocking he's 29th in run blocking and overall he's 28th so he's basically and and not every team has a right tackle who's played 200 snaps because he's the worst right tackle in football and I know we mostly talk about these the tackles in the offensive line in terms of pass blocking. And, oh, it's not their fault. Baker's escaping clean pockets, and he still gets to hold the ball and the length of time he's holding the ball. Fine. Chris Hubbard's run blocking is atrocious. He whiffs all the time. And part of the reason that they can't run in the red zone sometimes is because I think when things get tight and, and you're able to load the box and and not have to worry about the deep ball. Chris Hubbard single-handedly ruins run plays sometimes. They on the fourth down call after the all the confusion with the challenge flag and the Jarvis Landry touchdown that should have been Sunday. They ended up running on fourth down and they I think they called a play that was very similar to the play before that was going to work and then Freddie threw the flag and negated that play. Um, they asked Chris Hubbard to sort of make a down block on an interior defensive lineman because Eric Cush pulled. And I know Daryl Johnston on the color commentary said he hated pulling guards at the goal line because of that. But like Chris Hubbard, there was penetration on that play that ruined it because Chris Hubbard couldn't make the block. It was a tough block, but he had no chance to make it. Um, he had an illegal downfield block that ruined a Odell Beckham long completion. He had a uh, hold that ruined a... Odell Beckham completion. He had a whiff block um, that ruined that led to a loss of two uh, at the on the first play of a down that that set a drive back on the touchdown attempt to Jarvis Landry that Jarvis Landry tipped, tipped in the end zone and was intercepted. Baker Mayfield did throw the ball a little bit behind Landry on that play. It's because go back and watch this stuff. Chris Hubbard got bulldozed back into Baker Mayfield's lap. Chris Hubbard sometimes holds up when he misses, his miss kills a play. And that's life as a tackle, but I feel like his misses are awful. He had an inside, Jadavion Clowney put an inside move on him and and Hubbard had to grab him. Just whiffs, he just whiffs. And that's on John Dorsey. That's on John Dorsey. That that's the guy he chose and gave a lot of money to. This guy's making $7 million a year. He's getting paid handsomely and he's not getting the job done. And I, I know some people disagree with the offensive line's role in this. If Chris Hubbard was my right tackle, I would not feel good. And so I, I I feel like that needs to be acknowledged more. He 
he's not single-handedly ruining this offense, but I know when we had Ellis on uh, in previous weeks and we talked about a potential Trent Williams trade and people said, well, you can't just move. I want Chris Hubbard out of this starting lineup. I think Justin McRae would be better. I think the moments this year when when Kendall Lamb was out and Greg Robinson was out and they ended up putting Hubbard at left tackle and they had McRae at right tackle, I think he would be a better right tackle right now. I think they have better options on this team because Chris Hubbard, I think, is terrible. And I haven't pressed anybody with the Browns on this, and, and I will, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to a practice more often and do that. Um, I, I think it's clear. And so a lot of the rest of the stuff I think is okay. They move the ball like crazy against Seattle. And so I think the offense is absolutely on track. You guys know this, but these are the drives. These are the drives they had in that game. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. The fourth drive, they had the third down throw that Baker threw a little bit behind Odell coming out of the break. And we talked about it with Steven, and they should have connected on that, and they didn't. And the ball got on Odell a little bit quickly. I also thought Odell could have made a play on it, but it was a, an open opportunity to your best receiver on third down. They don't convert it, and then the punt gets blocked. So that's a mistake. It's not a mistake of intention. It's not a mistake of uh, of play calling. It's not being confused. It's not being off kilter. I mean, it's a little bit timing. It's timing with the quarterback and receiver, but it's not a non-functioning total offense. The next drive is the interception where Odell runs into the linebacker on the quick little timing route. That was just a little effed up. I can't say that. That was just a little goofy. Um, but that that to me is not like an egregious offensive malfunction it just was a little bit goofy in the moment and it was a timing route and it was bad luck Odell got bumped off the route and they threw an interception but again it's not like a a, a, you don't look at that and say well they can't move the ball they're terrible they can't design an offense the next drive is the Jarvis Landry tip in the end zone and again maybe you could have had a little better play there like that's kind of there and Chris Hubbard gets bulldozed and it's into Baker and you get a bad break on a tip so again not egregious they move the ball on all those drives and then the end of the half they get the ball back with 20-25 seconds after whatever after Seattle scores Baker and I was talking about his better anticipation hits Ricky Seals Jones in the face with the ball at the 42 yard line that if he catches it it sets up a 59 yard field goal attempt he drops it and they end up throwing a Hail Mary they move the ball on that drive so those are your drives like four things that screwed up drives and you can't screw them up but like again it's not it's not just what we saw in other drives or other moments with this offense where they just were totally looked lost I didn't think they looked lost Next half, you start off with the Nick Chubb fumble. A guy who never fumbles, fumbles. A guy who never fumbles, fumbles. What are you supposed to do with that? The one time in three years that he fumbles, it kills you. But like, what? It, it's not a, you can't prepare for that. You don't anticipate it. Nobody's perfect. But they were moving the ball on that drive. Next drive is the terrible call on the Landry block that kills that drive. The blindside block call that turned, they should have gained enough yards on that play that it would have been a third and one as a result. And instead it's second and 22. So it's supposed to be third and one at the 34. Instead it's second and 22 at the 13. It kills the drive. And they did some decent stuff there. Also on the, uh, there was another Chris Hubbard, illegal downfield block. I mean, a legal man downfield on a, on a Odell Beckham throw on that. Chris Hubbard's got to get his act together, but that 
bad call killed a drive. So they have an unexpected fumble. They have a bad call that kills a drive. That's two drives in the second half. The third drive is when they're stopped on fourth and goal and all that crazy stuff happens near the end zone. They, Landry was in. I don't know what the t- Landry was in. It should have been a touchdown. So again, I don't... They're killing them. They're killing them. And they move the ball. They're killing them. But they get the ball back on the shank punt on the next drive and they score. So that's four drives. Chubb fumble. Landry penalty that kills them. Landry scores and they don't call it. So they get stopped on the one and a half yard line. And they get the ball back and they score. And then their last drive of the game, a ball hits Dontrell Hilliard in the hands. After they had had a good play on first down and Greg Robinson got a silly hold on the edge. And again, these tackles, Greg Robinson, not as much as Chris Hubbard, but they moved the ball. What we thought was a non-functional offense at times early in the year absolutely functioned. Functioned play after play after play against Seattle. I think it's on the up. I think they're figuring some things out. They got to get rid of the drops. And and Baker has to have a little bit better ball placement. I think some of the ball placement issue is he's trying to hit guys in a in a window and they're not setting they're not settling down in a window the way he expects. I don't necessarily think all these throws are he's off target. I think where he's trying to put the ball, the guys aren't where they need to be. And Freddie said as much basically on Monday that it's a team accuracy thing. I think sometimes the guys their crispness of their routes um, leads Baker to to look inaccurate when he's really not, when it's them not being where they're supposed to be, which is why Rashard Higgins needs to play more. They have a connection. I think most of the time when Baker throws to Rashard Higgins, he knows where Higgins is going to be and Higgins knows where Mayfield's going to put the ball. I don't think Antonio Callaway knows that. And I think some other times that they're off, it's because Chris Hubbard's not doing his job. He's getting blown up. I, he's awful. He's awful. He's the worst starter on the team. So their run defense needs to be better. They need to get stops when they need them. They move the ball almost at will against Seattle. And there's butts in there. But there's they, there are butts in there that are A, easily fixable, and they're getting a lot of them fixed, or B, aren't even, they're one-time mistakes. Nick Chubb fumbling is a one-time thing. A ref making an egregious blindside block call on Jarvis Landry is a one-time thing. And you take those out, that saves two drives. It changes the game. They should have won. The the more I watch and think about this game, the more I'm, uh, it's just absolutely 100% clear that they should have won. And like the reason that they didn't win isn't entirely their fault. It's the fates and it's the refs. And it's a few things they can control, but it's also just a lot of bad luck. So if you want to be mad, be mad. But I, I think your anger is misplaced. It makes me a little bit sad right now with some of the responses um, to some of the stuff that I've written that, uh, and I don't care about me, it makes me sad that some people out there are so angry at their football team and they're not having fun at a time when you should be having fun. And I know the scoreboard is, is the only thing that matters and two and four is the only thing that matters. But there are things happening here that have not happened in Cleveland in a long time. And if your only reaction is, well, they lost, fire everybody. Um, I think you're only hurting yourself because I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's the right way to view this team. And, and some people will help you feed into that. Um, and I'll help you feed into it when I think it's warranted. But I, I just don't think that's the right reaction to this team. And so the other thing defensively is I thought, for most of this time that Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward have been out with the hamstring injuries, they've been okay. I felt like the end of that game, they missed their guys. 
Um, TJ Carey got beat on some stuff late in that game. Jermaine Whitehead got beat on some stuff. Whitehead's been played a lot. They had some... The the touchdown right before the half when uh, Joe Schobert blitzed and smoked Russell Wilson and he hit uh, the guy in the end zone and, and that guy just beat... Whitehead off the line. They had single coverage on three receivers on that side of the ball. Uh, that side of the ball. They had a couple linebackers up too close to the line. Whitehead looked like he was looking for help. There was nobody back there. Clearly, you can't let Whitehead get in that matchup. They got Whitehead in some matchups that they don't want him in. Um, and I know that's not directly related to corner play, but I, I felt like at the end of that game, TJ Carey against DK Metcalf was a tough matchup sometimes. Metcalf would have been a tough matchup for, for Denzel, too. He's just so big. But um, they need their corners back. That will help. Um, they need to get some stops on defense when they need them. I thought one of the biggest plays of the game, Miles Garrett lined up offsides on a, on a ball where he sacked Russell Wilson with a spin move against a double team. And lining up offsides didn't help him at all. And I think that would have prevented... Um, a score. I had it written down. I can't find, it, but I think it. I think it would have prevented a score on that drive because again, it ended up being like a twenty-yard difference of what they wind up with after the five-yard penalty on Miles Garrett when it should have been a sack. And it's just like it's just silly by Miles Garrett. Here's what it is: it should have been third and twenty. No, it should have been. Third and 20 at the 32 for the Seahawks. Instead, it wound up being second and five at the 17. Because instead of a 10-yard sack, it's a five-yard penalty the other way. And they end up scoring two plays later on that. So if Miles Garrett, it would have been third and 20. It would have been third and 20 if he doesn't line up offsides. Instead, it's second and five. And you hold him to a field goal try there instead of a touchdown. And it's just, why, why did Miles Garrett line up offsides there? It's just sloppy. And, of course, that's all part of it. But but what do you have to do to get the, one of the best defensive players in the league to not line up offsides in a critical play? It's inexcusable. And who, I don't know. Who's that on? Is is Are you going to fire Freddie Kitchens because Miles Garrett lined up offsides? We're going to fire Steve Wilkes? We're going to fire Tosh? Are we going to ask Miles Garrett, why'd you line up offsides on one of the most crucial plays of the game for no reason? He's a great player, but they're making some silly mistakes, but there is a lot there that's good. And so that's where I am. Uh, maybe you don't want to hear it, but if you're like raging at your team, and this is that's what you do in a bye week, you get mad, right? If you're raging at the Browns, I think you're I think that's not the right reaction. I think um I think the offense is Close. I think the offense is close. And I think the defense late in games has been hurt by the injuries. And so I think both things are can be fixed and will be fixed. And I think they're still a playoff team. So we'll keep having people on Takes by the Lake who can help us put this in context. I don't know what they can do about Chris Hubbard, but I seriously would consider benching him um, for Justin McCray. I, I, that's where I am. I think he's been that bad. And, and I mean, his run blocking. Some of the stuff, when people ask why they don't run the ball more in the red zone, I think you can't trust Chris Hubbard in the red zone and run blocking. Watch when you see plays, because Nick Chubb pops stuff, and there are plays where stuff just gets blown up before it starts. When you see a Browns run play the rest of the season that gets blown up before it starts, when Nick Chubb has to chop his feet in the backfield, when there's defensive linemen diving, diving at his ankles three yards behind the line of scrimmage, watch. Try to watch which offensive lineman was supposed to block the guy that's blowing up Nick Chubb. And more often than not, I think you're going to find it's Chris Hubbard. I think he is the monkey wrench in this run game. And then I think he makes two or three egregious mistakes in pass blocking. And nobody's perfect. But man, 
he'll just get a penalty or allow a sack or allow Baker to get hit that forces an interception. Just kills you. Just kills you. And that's on John Dorsey for, for having that be the right answer at right guard because um, you can't fill every spot, but that's a guy that he went out and chose to get and chose to pay, and he's not getting it done. That's where I am. Appreciate you guys listening to Takes by the Lake. Try our other podcast, Buckeye Talk. Try our tech stuff, cleveland.com slash OSU for me, cleveland.com slash Browns for Mary Kay. Um, make sure the orange and brown talk is, is going to, I think, start really revving up, uh, going a little longer, um, just really diving in on stuff. Um, Ellis Williams, who's been on here with us, is going to be on orange and brown talk, I think, even more often with uh, with Mary Kay and Dan and Scott. So make sure you're, you're giving those guys a listen if you haven't already. But for now... It like makes me mad. I don't. I'm not mad. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes with this stuff, it's just I just wish like I just could take a break from sports because it. It's like I feel angst about it. It's like I feel angst when I feel like other people are feeling angst when they shouldn't. If that makes sense, it makes me feel angst. Um, and I, I don't want to be an excuse maker for the Browns, but I want you to enjoy this season and. I feel like you're not, and I understand why. I, I get it, of course. It's frustrating. Um, but I think I think they're closer than a lot of people think they are. All right. I'm Doug Lamarice. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>